HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at HearstRanch.com. Hey, this is Hannah, HRN's program manager. It's HRN's 10th anniversary and now our summer fun drive. So show your support for independent, revolutionary, entertaining food radio by becoming a monthly recurring donor. HRN is powered by a passionate community of thoughtful eaters, and we need each and every one of you to show your support so that we can keep bringing you your favorite food podcasts. It takes a village, and every dollar donated, every listener tuning in is essential to our continued success. So set up a donation for every month. You'll show us that you want to be a part of a bright future for HRN. And you'll get one of our brand new limited edition Pizza Pocket t-shirts. So snag your new favorite tea and show us some love, all for the price of about two fancy lattes each month. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate today. And thank you. Welcome to HRN Happy Hour. It's five o'clock somewhere, and somewhere is Bushwick. I'm Kat Johnson, the communications director at Heritage Radio Network, joined by my co-host Katie Mosman Wadler. I'm sorry, I totally failed at that unison. Hi, Kat. You were like, Happy Thursday. About it. I was like, I was so close, and I just chickened out at the last minute. But uh, we do have some other folks here in the studio. We have a full house today. Yes, we do. We have the wonderful program manager, Hannah Forden, whose lovely voice you just heard. Yeah, I have to say, your guys' psychic abilities are fading, that you, you can't, like... <laughs> Knock out a unison word. Well, it's weird because I'm like not up. facing Kat today, which is unusual. <laughs> yeah. We've like sort of, uh, we have uh, a lot of people in here, which we're very true, excited about true. today. But yeah, usually they have really good ESP for our listeners at home. <laughs> I know, we're rusty. <laughs> Don't judge us. Uh, also in the booth, we've got our engineer, Jeet Paul. Hey, Jeet, what's up? Hello. And we have a full house of very special guests today. We have Georgia in the house. What? what? <laughs> hot Lana. Are people still saying that? No, it's the ATL. Never, oh, no man, one ever hot said Lana's Hot Lana. Uh, I lived in Atlanta for a year and a half, and it was fantastic, except for the driving. Um, but the food, I dream about the food often, and I'm so excited to have all these amazing chefs in the house. Um, we also have our intern, Oscar. Hello, Oscar. Howdy, people. <laughs> um, and we have some friends from Ink House PR as well. Shout out, shout out. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Um, let's, let's have our 
guest of honor chefs introduce themselves so that we can hear everyone's voices and know who is who. Okay. Uh, we'll start with Savannah to my right. Uh, hello, everyone. I am Savannah Sasser. Can you say also, like, a little bit about oh, your place? Yeah. Uh, I'm uh, the restaurant that I am the executive chef at is the Expat in Athens, Georgia. So a short drive outside of ah. Atlanta. Yes. Uh, it's only about an hour, but uh, I'm super excited to be a part of the Georgia Grown program. I am Greg Lipman. I have uh, Piastra in the northwest of Atlanta, just a small, shorter drive than Athens. Uh, Italian restaurant just outside. Also very excited to be the Georgia Grown program. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm Julio Delgado. I'm the uh, secretary chef for New Ram Brewing on the Bell Line in Atlanta. And I'm also a uh, future owner of uh, Mino Olivia Pizzeria in Alforera, which is uh, hopefully we open in a few months. But uh, super excited to be here. And I am Holly Shute, and I am the executive chef for Georgia Grown, which is the marketing arm of the Georgia Department of Agriculture. So I head up the program that all these chefs are a part of. So, And we're very excited to be in New York. We are cooking at the James Beard House tomorrow night for the fifth time. Yay! So, that and, is quite an accomplishment, by the way. Congratulations. Thank you. And Georgia was the first uh, state to cook at the James Beard House. Yes, like, we were state. the first state to be invited to cook at the James Beard House. And now they want it to be an annual event. So mm -hmm. I get to take um, different chefs with us each year. Um, with the exception of Savannah that comes every year to run the kitchen for us. Ah. There's no rotating out, Savannah. No. That's not happening. No, that's not an option. I'll take it. <laughs> um, we, so we have a Taste of Georgia happening tomorrow at the Beard House. We also have a Taste of Georgia here in the studio because, Holly, you are the best, and you brought us treats. And That's how I roll. So good. <laughs> We're so excited. Um, can you talk about some of the uh, produce that is on the table before us uh, so that we can start eating it? Yes, we have some wonderful Georgia peaches from North Georgia from Jay Moore Farms. And um, they sent them down specially on Tuesday for me to take up Wednesday, which I wrapped in bubble wrap to get them here. <laughs> and They're still we... sitting on bubble wrap. They look so <laughs> precious. <laughs> and we have some wonderful Georgia blueberries because um, a lot of people don't realize that Georgia uh, goes from one to three in the production of blueberries in the whole country. So um, it's a big crop for us in the state, and they're super sweet and delicious. And we also have a sparkling rosé from Wolf, Wolf Mountain Vineyards up in uh, Dahlonega, Georgia. So we're very excited, and that's going to be served at the Beard House tomorrow night as well. So y'all are getting a treat. Are you, doing, are you doing all Georgia wine at the dinner? Yes. Um, the, the meal is paired with all Georgia wine, spirits, and beers. Ooh. Wow. So... So, Are there still tickets for tomorrow, or is it completely sold it's out? It's oversold. Sorry, everyone. You guys <laughs> waited too We've been late. doing this a lot on Happy Hour lately, where we're like, hey, we're doing all these super cool things, and don't you wish you bought tickets like well, months ago? Well, just get on the James Beard website mm -hmm. and uh, keep keep it in mind, because we come usually every June, mm -hmm. because that's when most of the produce is um, coming in season. So Yeah. So mark your calendar, June 2020. Yep. If you don't want to be left off this train next year. Exactly. Yeah. And get on the email list because there's a lot of Georgia chefs that come up to the Beard House. Stephen Satterfield is going to be there next week. Nick Leahy was there like a week or two ago. Mm -hmm. So Georgia is like 
repping hard at the James Beard House. Yeah. So get on that. Yeah. So we have a we have an incredible food community in Atlanta. Yes, you do. And can we just say the Giving Kitchen that won the James Beard Humanitarian Award this year? Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Michelle Bailey. Bailey. Let's definitely yeah. not forget Mashama Bailey, yeah. who gave me a ride the last time I was in Savannah. So she's not only a great chef, but she's a very nice lady. I um, love Georgia. Guys, yeah, I'm yeah. Georgia. <laughs> so we, that. yes. Um, we've got a couple of quick announcements and then we're going to dive into a much larger interview with all of these folks and we're going to eat some peaches and blueberries and drink some rosé and we're going to tell you all about it. Uh, but first up, we've got a couple of headlines. There's our headline music. That's good music That this is week, quality. Jeet. Yeah, thank you, Jeet. We're super uh, newsy. We are super excited in hot news. We are going, Cat uh, and I are going to Charlotte next week for the International Symposium on Bread at Johnson & Wales University. And you can follow along with our coverage on Heritage Radio Network on tour. And uh, we're super stoked to eat all the carbs. And uh, you can eat them too. This year is a really awesome set of hands-on workshops. So a lot of baking is going to be going down. We're going to share all the best tips with you. It's going to be awesome. So tune in HRN on tour after the 15th of June. And as you heard me um, go on and on about at the beginning of the show, now I get to do it live. It is our summer fun drive. So all of you listening at home know that there are two times of year where we knock on your door and say, hi, can you please show us how much you love food radio? Because we are a small nonprofit and we cannot do what we do without each and every one of you. Um, showing your support no matter the amount. And I have some really, really exciting new member gifts for you guys. So get excited if you want to rep your love for HRN this summer um, and look super stylish in the process. We have a brand new t-shirt, which I'm just going to say Pizza Pocket. Mm -hmm. You can see a picture of it sort of on our website. We will have more pictures coming soon, but it is so good. Um, so check that out. We have a new enamel pin coming, which is also pizza themed since we are, of course, pizza powered radio. Um, we have a custom, beautiful chocolate bonbon set from our amazing neighbors around the corner at Fine and Raw Chocolate for some extra special, generous donors. Um, all of those things are limited edition as it is our 10th anniversary. So these are very, very special. They're limited quantities, and we want to make sure they go home to some very special HRN fans. So no matter how much you're able to give, we will truly, truly appreciate it. We need your help to keep going for another 10 years of food radio. So go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate, uh, and I'll send you a handwritten thank you note. Yes, you will. Yeah. My handwriting is not great, but it comes from the heart. It's true. Yeah. Um, I am sensing also a theme with all of our member gifts. They're all definitely super food related. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, so my God. It's almost like we're a food radio so station. Weird. It's kind of like we never stop eating. Because um, we don't. But we are happy to share that with our friends and our food For radio sure. loving friends as well. Um, okay. We are going to share a couple of headlines from this week with you. Um, my first up one is a remembrance. So this Saturday is going to be one year since the world lost Anthony Bourdain. And in honor of this anniversary, HRN has uncovered a previously unreleased conversation between Bourdain and our host, Andrew Friedman, from back in 2014. This original, this interview was originally meant for print, so um, this was something that Andrew had in his archives and has recently unearthed, and we are publishing it for the first time, never before heard, here on HRN. It's available today, so check that out on Andrew Talks to Chefs. 
And um, if you're interested in fishing and sustainability uh, and the development of new farm tech and women in that industry. I'm interested in all those things. Okay, so check, check, check. Um, so you should keep your eye out for da 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 the 100th episode of Speaking Broadly. Congratulations to the one and only Dana Cowan. Um, so on the most recent episode, she spoke with uh, aquaculture expert Jen Bushman about all of those things and changes and improvements in fishing and sustainability. So don't miss that one. And we're going to have even more coming from Dana Cowan um, next week for Meet and Three. So stay tuned. Yes. Um, and lastly, in honor of our Georgia guests, we have a peachy headline. This week on Feast Your Ears, Harry Rosenblum is joined by Jessica and Stephen Rose, the couple behind the peach truck. Do you guys know about them? Peach truck? Yes. 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 They're based in Nashville. I think they do deliver in Atlanta some. Um, they brought Harry into their world of peaches, explain why this fruit isn't just meant for the produce section, and share the joys of delivering nature's candy across the country in a 1964 Jeep Gladiator pickup truck. I'll take my peaches however I can get them. Um, All right. That's our headlines. Uh, So speaking of peaches, let's start there. So, Holly, tell us more about the peaches that you brought up. And, Greg, you said that peach peach season is really great this year. So what about that makes it great? Well, um, I've I've had from three different local farmers all the peaches. Right now, if I'm correct, these are spring rose peaches? That we're having? No? Okay. I, that's what I had just gotten. I got two cases of them from two different local farmers at their the fantastic this year. Because of the rains earlier in the season and that massive heat wave that we just had, all of the sugars, they're fantastic. They're eating really well. These are smaller peaches, wonderful flavor to them. I don't know about these that you have right now. They Holly are, will tell you about them. They are called flavor rich. Mm, okay. Sounds and great. they come from North Georgia, um, Jaymore Farms. Um, and Holly, can you talk a little more about the mission of Georgia Grown and uh, kind of what you guys are all about and how that translates into us receiving delicious fruit? Absolutely. So uh, Georgia Grown is actually the marketing arm of the Georgia Department of Agriculture. So it's a membership-based program and farmers and producers join and then we help them promote their businesses. So we get a lot of craft and artisan Um, product makers as well as farmers and um, my job is to basically um, show consumers how to use the products and share them with them and share them with uh, restaurant chefs and um, it's a little bit too much of a job for one person so we have a Georgia Grown Executive Chef program and each year chefs can apply from around the state through the Georgia Restaurant Association and we select between four and six chefs to be chef ambassadors for us. And they travel around the state and do demos and do events and dinners and luncheons for us um, to help promote Georgia products. And then as a thank you and show of our appreciation, they get to come and cook at the James Beard House. So it's a pretty good trade-off. It's pretty (laughs) awesome. Yeah. I say with a mouthful of sweet Georgia blueberries. <laughs> I took one blueberry from the box, and then I was like, that's like the blueberriest blueberry ever, and then mm-hmm. I grabbed like a handful. Yeah. It's also like kind of hard for me to admit that these are incredibly sweet and delicious because I'm from Maine, which likes to think of itself as a leader in blueberries, but it's kind of a different beast up yeah. there. Like it's, it's a whole different thing. These yeah. are incredibly delicious and super plump and sweet, and like they have a lot to offer. Yeah, and um, our blueberry farmers have had a couple of bad years. 
um, with weather. So this year was a good year, and we're just helping them promote them however we can. So spread the word. Look for Georgia blueberries. Will do. (laughs) So when a product is has like a Georgia grown label on it, like say an ice cream or another like packaged good, what kind of what does it have to do to have that label on it, where it's not just like a peach or a blueberry? Well, it's actually. the product just has to be made in Georgia. So they could be sourcing some of the ingredients from outside the state. But if if the person that's producing it is in Georgia, um, they can use the Georgia Grown logo. Awesome. Um, and Holly, can you talk a little bit about, this is your first time on Happy Hour, a little bit about your um, career and where you've cooked before? <laughs> um, I have been with the Department of Agriculture for five years, and prior to that, I was the chef at the Georgia Governor's Mansion for six administrations. Um, I thought that was the best job in the world until I started this one, and this is definitely the best job in the world. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, what does one do as a chef at the Governor's Mansion? Um, well, we, we're responsible for three meals a day, um, and then all the events, state dinners, and any events that are held there. Um, and when I first started... Back in 1981, I was about 12. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It was very formal. It was um, three meals a day, seven days a week. We had full-time butlers. And, um, I mean, it was just, it was all very, very formal. There was a a bell under the carpet so that when they wanted service, they would step on it and we'd go out. And we didn't go in the dining room unless we were called. And, wow. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty intense. Did you ever have a day off? Because seven days a week is all I of worked them. with a with a cook and we alternated weekends. Wow. So So you had every other weekend yeah. off. Wow. Um that's that's a really major commitment. Yeah. It was um it was great. I mean it was it was a wonderful career. I loved doing it, getting to know the families. Um it was a different dynamic with each family. Mm-hmm. But you really become part of the family, which was very cool. Was it common before you started there for chefs to stay on through multiple administrations? That seems like something that would be personal kind of to each incoming Well, there governor. was only one chef before I started. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, have, um, they use a lot of inmate labor in Georgia. Oh. So um, prior to that... So that's how you got there. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my past caught up with me. Dang. <laughs> No, I'm actually from New York, so um, when I moved to Georgia, I had never cooked greens, cooked peas, made a biscuit. Wow. So, uh, yeah, I had a lot of learning to do. Was there someone that you learned from? Yes. I was very smart. I hired a 50-year-old black woman that taught me everything I know about Southern cooking. Awesome. And when I learned how to make biscuits, Governor Busby gave me a damn Yankee border pass, allowing me to stay. (laughs) Is that on hard copy? I wish I still had it. I don't know where it disappeared to. Well, yeah, that's definitely worthy of a frame, I think. That should go in the museum across the street from the governor's mansion, (laughs) I think. Um, Well, let's talk a little bit more about the other chefs, what you guys are doing. Um, Savannah, you were in Atlanta, correct? Correct. Where Um, were you cooking before you went to the expat? um, So I started, I moved back to Atlanta and started working at Twain's, a brew pub in Decatur, Georgia, and I was there for five years, and then I did a short stint at Hampton and Hudson, and then I met uh, Jerry and Krista Slater, uh, and they were opening the expat in Athens, and they lured me out there, so it's it's been great. Do you like living in a college town? 
that's quite smaller than Atlanta? Um, I actually don't live in Athens currently. Oh. Uh, my wife still lives in uh, works in Atlanta, so we've, we found a sweet middle spot, and we both have about forty five minute drive. That's so not bad. I love Atlanta too, so it's nice. It's nice to be able to go back and forth easily with no issues. So it's it's not too bad. I love Athens on a non game day weekend. Everyone loves Athens on a non. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think I have to say go dogs or something. No, you don't. No, you don't. Uh, you really don't. Uh, War Eagle. And we oh, oh the you, truth comes out. Crazy <laughs> So we have these bright orange chairs and table, and our house is blue. I cannot tell you how many times during and what you're wearing. I am wearing. I am an Auburn. My family is an Auburn fan, so I am. I've been to Auburn in many games, but yes, we we get so much crap on game days. Oh yeah, I'm coming to your restaurant then. Do it, please. Awesome. (laughs) Um, And then Greg, you're in Marietta. That I am. Uh, Talk a little bit more about Marietta. What kind of that town is like in in relation to Atlanta and then a little bit about your restaurant. Okay, well, I will say that uh, Marietta is known as OM or Old Marietta or sometimes referred to not so fondly as Old Money. Um, It's an older area. Uh, It's a little bit more uh, of a fight to get towards the modern era in modern times. Like right now, we just got through the fight of the open container and it got shot down, which... I don't know that I'm for it or against it, but we'll move on with that. Uh, when Mary you say is, open container, this is like on the street? On the street, Not yes. in a vehicle. On the square, yeah. Now, the square, it, it Marietta Square is an area that, it, you know, obviously it is a square. Mm-hmm. Duh. Uh, but three of the streets are all businesses. One side of the street is the courthouses and all legal areas. Uh, so we have events where we close all the streets down. People get to walk around, and it's open container at that point. So people get to walk around with their drinks in plastic cups and so on and so forth. Uh, all the areas in basically Metro Atlanta have gone to that on Fridays and Saturdays all the time. Marietta shot it down, only allowed on city-sanctioned events. Uh, besides that, it is a very up-and-coming area. Uh, lots of new money coming in. People are moving out from the urban areas up there because of housing being less expensive. Some really nice houses, new houses getting built. Really, really uh, just up and coming and new foods coming in. I've been there for about four years now. And when I moved in there, I took over a previous Italian restaurant, which is currently what I have. Uh, being from Boston, I found out that even though I am not Italian, I am Jewish. I have a knack for Italian food. You know, as I, as I always say that Jews and Italians have a lot in common. One food is love. And two, if you take a Jewish man and an Italian man, you put them in a room together with their hands tied behind their back Nothing happens. They can't talk. Um, <laughs> so. Um, I, got, I got it. It took me a second, but I got there. Yeah. <laughs> I try. See, because I actually beat myself up of the out of the talking with my hands for the most part. Uh-huh. So it doesn't, the joke kind of falls flat because I'm but not you're doing do, it. But you're doing it. Well, I have to bring it up. I have to bring it up so people understand what I'm talking about. Well, Mamma mia. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, Marriott is becoming, you know, lots of good chefs in the area. We've really drawn in a lot of the Georgia grown stuff. There's a lot, a couple of chefs in the area that we've really partnered with local farmers and businesses to make sure that we're using as much Georgia grown stuff as we can. Uh, plus, we've gotten nominated as one of the best farmers markets in the area. So I shop there every single weekend, make sure that I'm using all of their products. I only get their eggs. I only get you know, local products from them and all of that. So it's a very exciting time. 
Uh, the people in the area are really accepting of it and really welcoming the movement of, I mean, I hate to use farm to table because restaurant, everything comes from a farm, but the local movement. And really, uh, it's, it's really exciting. So obviously Boston has a huge Italian food scene, the North End. Are there other influences that you brought with you from Boston? You went to Nechi. Are there other like kind of New England well, vibes are, going on at your place? Well, there are. Um, I'm slowly using more true Italian dishes that I'm bringing in, really introducing people to it. Uh, it it's a slow, a slow growth to it. Um, one of the things being from Boston and now coming back up to New York and looking around, I'm so used to the small menus. You know, I'm looking at a couple of Italian restaurants around right near where we're staying, and they have seven entrees at most. Mm-hmm. I'm getting told that I have, what, 15 entrees, and I'm getting told I don't have enough selection. What? Yeah. And I'm going, oh, God, I'm just so, you know, it, it's the, I'm used to the, Atlanta, one of the, one of the, as I've told, culture shock, getting used to it is in Atlanta, the scene has been, and it's changing now, people are so used to their corporate restaurants. Yeah. They're chain restaurants. Yeah. So, you know, the Carabas, and I don't want to name too many others, but all of those chain, re- sure. larger chain Italian <laughs> restaurants, people have the 15 page menus. I, I hate I, those. I'm not, I'm oh. not used to that. So it's like, <laughs> I have to me, having 15 entrees. Is, is a huge menu. And it's yeah. not realistic Especially for a, a kitchen to do that. No, and a not small, really. A very small kitchen that he yeah. works into. Right. Yes. Yeah, I like to know that somebody is actually, like, cooking my food. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's three of us. There's myself, and I have two <laughs> other cooks, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's which, quite a lot to execute. Yeah, it is. And plus, I'm 100% scratch. I make yeah. all of my sausage, sauces, breads, cheese, pastries, pasta. I make everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as I say, if I could not have canned tomatoes, I would. But... I can't get Italian San Marzano shipped in fresh, so I have to go with cans. Um, but besides that, it's like those are the only cans I have. Everything else is fresh. Um, I use as much Georgia grown as I possibly can. I use the cream is from Georgia, and it's it's fantastic. I use um, you know onions are coming from Georgia. All my, as much produce as I possibly can, and I'm very very specific. I use Springer Mountain Farm chicken, and that's it. So I mean, those are all the things because of what it signifies. I mean, Georgia is such a agricultural state and it's really exciting what they're doing. Agriculture is the number one industry in Georgia. So we are, we are blessed year round. I mean, if you, if you haven't been watching just recently, they've just forced through the government, the U S government was forcing through the whole rescue bill for the Georgia farmers that got decimated from the, uh, the storms that came through. And it's, you know, that, it doesn't get enough play in the media, but stuff like that really hurt Georgia, especially the farmers, but Georgia in itself. And it's great to see that we're, you know, when you see start seeing stuff and you start seeing restaurants and farmers and seeing as much coverage as we possibly can get for it. Yeah. Um, and Julio, you are uh, the chef at New Realm Brewing, which, when did it open? Uh, New Realm opened like a uh, year and a half ago. Wow. Yes. I visited last time I was in Atlanta because we started at Pond City Market and rode the scooters down the Beltline to New Realm, as you do when you're in Atlanta. Um, And it is just this massive, new, shiny, fun brewery. So tell us a little bit more about it. It is an amazing establishment. It's a huge space. We're talking about a 20-something thousand square footage brewery. 
Uh, we produce, right now we have on tap between 14 to 16 different types of beer all the time. Wow. And uh, we have a full swing restaurant. Uh, it's amazing, super busy, it's really busy, especially being on the bell line. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, it's a one-in-a-kind opportunity. You know, I, I've developed my career. You know, you notice with my beautiful southern accent that I have, right? Yes. Uh, somehow Puerto Rico. Very southern. <laughs> yes. <laughs> somehow I finished in Georgia, right? And, um, you know, I fell in love with the stair, with everything. I seen a company like New Ram. Uh, what they have done and how much I'm engaged with the uh, with the city and, and, and with the state, I think it's, it's amazing. Um, and it has like a massive outdoor space too. So it's like, it really just feels like it's like New Realm just kind of you know, merges with the city and with the Beltline. It is crazy because we have 650 seats. We don't hold the door. Yeah. Um, and we have a beer garden. We have a patio. We have a dock. We have a rooftop. We have three PDRs and a 175 seats restaurant. It's like Disney World for adults. <laughs> correct. <laughs> correct. And it's crazy how, how, how much it changed. You go like a Sunday or Saturday during the day. It's all family and very family oriented, kid friendly. Everybody walking on the bed line with the children at nighttime. It's almost like a club. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody looks so good. Everybody's so beautiful. Everybody's drinking beer. And it's like, I, I can't believe this. How much is restaurant changed? Yeah, like yeah. three different personalities. Amazing. Wow. And how, so how does that translate to your menu and um, kind of how are you managing to transition like day to night and still fit these very different kind of clientels? And also, how are you working um, with the brewers around pairing food and beer when that's you have a, so many varieties? That's a great question because we only serve beer, right? Because it's based on, on Georgia laws. You're only allowed to serve beer. We don't have wine. We don't even have bottles of water. You got beer or tap water. <laughs> you got beer or nothing. Beer or nothing, mm-hmm. technically. Uh, you know, I think our main goal is to produce food that go well with beer. It doesn't matter where it comes from. doesn't matter what it is. Um, I've been cooking for over 20-something years, and I have never made so much noise with a dish like a mac and cheese like I had done on that place. And I'm like, you know, I've, I've been working so hard, and I came here, and somehow we came up with amazing mac and cheese, and it's just Insane how much popularity, popularity that I get. Um, but, you know, I, one of our, what our goal is, and we're only going to serve beer on the state that we are, right? We just opened a, a new location in Virginia Beach. And um, with that say, we want to do Georgia beer, Georgia food. We, we're very locally source-oriented. And, um, you know, we partner with a lot of farmers and things like that. We even have standing orders. We don't even order. We're so busy that we don't even order. So just show up every day with 40 pounds of this or that. We'll be fine. <laughs> um, so, it's uh, you know, it's great to see uh, an organization like that one and, and, and see the founders so engaged with, with where they are and what they do. So it's just, it's just an honor. It's just a blessing to be there. I feel like we need to put in a plug here for uh, one of our other hosts' books, which came out a year and a half ago-ish, um, The Beer Pantry, Michael Harlan Turkel. It's all about food and beer pairings. Do you know it? Mm-hmm. Um, so just everybody, you know, at your friendly local bookseller, check it out. <clears throat> and it's funny because I've been a chef for a winery, too. And when I went like when I went to beers, I was like, eh, I don't drink that much beer. I'm going to say that loud if they don't hire me, but, um, you know, it's amazing when you start working with beer and when you really start finding yourself one of the main things that I did is I spent like a you know a couple of weeks in the brewery because the brewery opened before the restaurant opened I don't want to see what they use what kind of grains they use what they do how they do it you know what kind of glaze syrup you know stuff like that spices mm-hmm. and uh, 
how much similarity beer have with wine? How many aromas, flavors, how many different type of hops that they use and everything? So it, it is a very, very interesting market. And it is amazing. If you really engage yourself with that, uh, you can't like me that now I drink a lot of beer. <laughs> I can imagine that there might have been a slight lifestyle shift there. Um, and w- is New Realm getting into the uh, barrel-aged sour game uh, like so many are? And how is that affecting sort of the, the breadth of menu that you're offering, um, kind of going into these really tart beers, really kind of unconventional flavors of beer? It's actually funny because <clears throat> we do have uh, a bar age program right now with, uh, what's it called? Uh, I forget the name of it. Uh, Buffalo Trace mm-hmm. <clears throat> whiskey. Uh, and it's, uh, it's amazing, you know, how how much the beer change when you, when you bar age them. And the flavors are a little bit more complex, but these are more easy to identify them. So you you become more familiar with those flavors, and you start pairing food with that a lot easier. So when we do our beer dinners and all that, that's one of the beers that we always try to have on the menu uh, to do that. Um, should we take a really quick break? Um, when we come back, we got to talk about the wine. I yeah, talk- we need to take a break so we can pour some rosé. Yes. <laughs> and we'll talk about, I want to talk about North Georgia wine and like why it's special, because I love the area up there in Dahlonega. So yeah, we'll handle some business and we'll come back and we'll talk more. Beer and Bebby. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. The Hearst family has been raising cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of California's Central Coast for over 150 years. Piedra Blanca Rancho in San Simeon is the original Hearst Ranch, founded by George Hearst in 1865. George's son was the famous publisher, William Randolph Hearst. In addition to being known for building the iconic Hearst Castle, William was, like his father before him, an avid rancher. In his words, I would rather spend a month at the ranch than any place in the world. Thanks to one of the largest land conservation easements in California history, a joint effort with the California Rangeland Trust, the American Land Conservancy, and the state of California, the working landscape at Hearst Ranch will be preserved forever. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at hearstranch.com. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. My name is Coral Lee, and I'm the host of Meant to be Eaten here on HRN. Every week, I look at cross-cultural exchange in food and contemporary media. What determines authenticity? What, if anything, gets lost in translation when cooking foods from another's culture? You can find Men to Be Eaten wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. All right, welcome back to HR and Happy yeah. Hour. Um, Katie is currently pouring us all some tastes of this lovely pink rosé. So, Holly, I want to ask you, can you tell us a little bit more about the wine and the winery and, and a little bit of an overview of, of North Georgia wineries? Because I think a lot of people maybe don't know that there's a wine industry happening up there. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Um, the Dahlonega area, the terrain just kind of uh, mimics the Mediterranean. It's um, the way the wind flow goes. Um, the grapes are incredible. And Wolf Mountain... Um, this is a sparkling rosé, and they were the first winery to do sparkling wine, and others have followed since, but um, they really do a beautiful job, and the winery is gorgeous with beautiful views, and they do a lot of weddings up there. But um, the first year, 
at the Beard House, uh, we served a Cabernet from Wolf Mountain, and one of the guests made me bring the bottle out to prove that it was from Georgia because he didn't believe that Georgia could produce such a good wine. I love that. I love that so much. What are some of the other do, other wineries that you're going to be featuring at the dinner? Um, we have uh, Frogtown. Frog, Frog's Leap? Frogtown. Frogtown. Oh. It's in Dahlonega as oh. well. Um, we have a, a Muscadine wine, which is very regional to, to Georgia. It's a sweet wine, um, but we are using it with our Intermezzo. We have a custom... Um, basil lime sorbet and we pour a little bit of the muscadine wine as a palate cleanser Um, and it really pairs well with that can you describe what muscadine wine tastes like because it is it is very specific yes it's um it's a larger grape um it's sweet so a muscadine wine is going to be very on the sweet end oh yeah um but it's a, a thicker skin grape, um, and the, the, the skin is not really edible. You basically um, chew a muscadine, spit out the skin and the, yeah. and the seeds, and just eat the, the pulp, basically. The other day I had somebody try and tell me that a muscadine was not a true grape. Is that, actually, is that a thing? Actually, if I could jump in real quick, I have someone you're training. It's, it is a grape. It's just not a wine grape. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's okay. there's two types. It's a, like a wild I won't, grape, So it's right? like botanically, even, it's a grape. Correct. Well, yeah. No, it really is a grape. It's just, it's an eating grape. There's yeah. two, you know, like a conquered grapes. Muscadine's a technical eating grape. But our um, people now, do like to make wine out of the conquered grapes. The, well, people make wine out of anything. <laughs> <laughs> and that try, is true. Try and tell okay. somebody from South Georgia that a muscadine is not a wine grape. Right, exactly. <laughs> You'll have a fight. Well, it's the same, it's the same so with up true. north. You tell people that from, you know, the whole New England area that Concord isn't a grape to make wine out of. You'll get a great fight. Right. Same exact mm-hmm. thing. But it's kind of funny story, and I'm just going to jump in on this one and I'll just back out. But the rootstock of muscadine is actually what saved wine grapes. It is what saved in it Napa, from... In Napa? In Prohibition? Yes. Well, phylloxera. Phylloxera yeah. ah. uh, uh, was a uh, pest that oh. killed all of the uh, Vitis vinifera wines when they came over to the U.S. Uh, we're talking thousand years ago. Uh, you know, hundreds anyways. But it was one of the rootstocks they used to actually save it because it is actually resistant to the phylloxera uh, pest. And so that I wanted to jump in on that one. But yes, no, it is really a grape. It's just not technically a wine grape as far as the rest of the world is concerned. Sure. The U.S., of course. So I'm going to pull that out whenever anybody's hating on muscadines. They saved go. wine. Yes. I'm going to yeah, say that. You're welcome. <laughs> that I, I like to eat them because I grew up like eating them off of a vine in South Alabama. And then the wine to me is like... You have to be in the right place for a muscadine wine. That's, not every situation calls for it. But I'm excited to see how you guys do it with the dinner. Um, I did just jump the gun and take a sip of this because I just couldn't stand it anymore. It smelled so amazing. Can we talk about the wine for a minute? What do you guys think? Please do. It has a beautiful color. We'll um, try to post a picture of it, but it's like, it's it's beyond a salmon. It's like a corally salmon yeah. color. Um, what? Yeah, what do you guys, what are your impressions? Some of you had this before. Some of you, this is new. Any uh, 
friends in the room also welcome to respond. Yeah, it is. It is like the most beautiful color. Isn't the Pantone color of the year a living coral, which I think this mm, almost is. So on trend. Yep. <laughs> Super trendy, Georgia. It's really <laughs> lovely. It's really drinkable and like balanced. It's not too yeah. sweet, not it's too dry. I am definitely trying to overcome a bias of thinking that in my head, like I hear Georgia wine, I think it's going to be sweet, but that's really not at all true. And um, this is super delicate. It's super floral. It's super effervescent. And it's something I would love to drink anytime. Also, the bottle is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Um, We're also, one of the wines we're serving is a Petit Mansang, which is a white wine that's won some national awards. Um, It's a really lovely wine from Tiger Mountain Winery, which is kind of in the northeastern Mm -hmm. part of the state. I think my mom has been to that one. My mom is like obsessed with going to the wineries in North Georgia. I think it's part of the reason she moved to Atlanta, to be honest. Um, Let's be real. Yeah. Uh, Savannah, I have a question for you. So in moving from Atlanta to Athens, um, has there been any sort of big change or difference in how you can source and what farmers you're working with? No, there's a lot of great programs. Um, I pull from the farms in the Athens area. We have a farmer's market. There's also Collective Harvest, which is similar to what Atlanta has as the turnip truck or farms as well, where they pull. It's for farmers that have a big enough crop to sell, but not big enough to go to the bigger purveyors. So, no, and I've had long-standing relationships with Springer and some other... um, uh, native seafood they'll ship it directly to me if i ask for it uh so not really i mean like i said athens is literally only an hour away i mean i get trucks from atlanta a couple times a week i think uh in the mindset for some people it's it's so far but it's not so it's it's actually pretty easily so savannah mentioned um farmed when she was talking and it's a really interesting concept uh, they call themselves a technology company, not a food service company. So um, they are not food people at all, but they've set up these routes to go to individual farms, and they hire independent truck drivers that have refer- refrigerated trucks. And chefs can log into the website and see what days certain things are delivered, and these trucks go to the farm, pick up the food, and then deliver it directly to the chefs. So um, it's it's connecting a lot of smaller farmers that don't have the capability of getting their product to restaurants and uh, really helping that out and helping the chefs get great food fresher than they would get it if it had to go through a middleman. That's yeah. awesome. That's really cool. Um, besides the beautiful peaches and the beautiful blueberries... For all of you, what are some ingredients now that we're entering summer? What are some ingredients you're most looking forward to, to playing with and putting on your menus soon? I think uh, I have this this farmer that I, that I love today. His name is Bobby Braid. We call him Crazy Bobby because he looks crazy all the time. Uh, <laughs> he always shows up just in the middle. He's, he's, yeah. he's just like, hey, I'm here. Like I'm here. Session. Come to my truck. Look what I have, and, and yeah, I can't go, Bobby. Now, you know, but uh, he's uh, he's a great guy, and um, one of the things that he's making a name for himself is uh, collard greens and uh, chichito peppers. He has one of, one of the most amazing chichito peppers that I ever taste, and um, you know, it's it's a. It, I think in Georgia we were fortunate to have the ability to do that. 
Uh, remind me a lot, like back home, I used to go on the street, I see people in the pickup truck with produce on the back. And the fact that you're in the middle of the metropolitan city and somebody show up and you just jump on the back of the truck and pick what you want. You don't have that, you know, the people take that for granted. I think it's, it's, it's amazing that we had the ability to do that and, uh, and to have access and create a friendship with those, with those guys. I will say, um, you know, for myself coming from Boston, this it, is an odd one. My mother's from Iowa, so corn. I've watched, I've been down in Atlanta since 07. When I first got what they called sweet corn at the time, I was laughing because from me and my mom from Iowa, I knew sweet corn. I got what they were calling sweet corn. It was field corn. Now it's really exciting to watch, to have the, watch the growth of corn. And it's like I only use – in my kitchen, I only use non-GMO. I use no soy products, no canola, no food from China, anything or anything like that. And it's been exciting to watch the growth of corn in Georgia. Um, so I'm looking forward myself to corn season. We're just about to come into it. And the sweet corn in Georgia has come leaps and bounds. It was originally, like I said, field corn. It was stuff that – you know, you go out to the Midwest, and that's what they fed to the animals. Mm-hmm. And now it's actual real good sweet corn. Not just sweet, but really good flavor, real good starches to it, really fantastic stuff. Is there a specific variety or varieties you're looking at? Uh, there are a few, but mainly, uh, you know, there's a super sweet, which is a non-GMO, but it's a fantastic corn. Um, and then uh, it, it's just the bicolor corns. There's a few different varieties that I go for, but it's mainly... I'm just looking for sweet corn. Okay. And it, it, it's sweet corn, with it, to me, specifies it is that you can take it, you shuck it, and you can eat it straight without cooking, without anything on it, and you're getting all sugars. Um, I have farmers that bring it to me in the summer, you know, last year, and it was within hours of picking. Awesome. And you can watch as it changes from, you know, th- th- to the next day. It goes from super sweet, and you can watch and taste the starches changing. So it, it's exciting to use it and be able to use it right away and, and see it. But having watched it come from field corn, you know, quick story on it. I actually had to go out for family reasons out to Kansas, and I flew back to Atlanta with a bushel of fresh-picked sweet corn in my lap, <laughs> much to the chagrin of the flight attendants. It's a child under two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it was minutes ago. Uh, and I had one of my produce reps come in. At the threat of firing him, uh, I had him come in and taste it. Like I shucked it, handed it to him, said, this was picked hours ago. Get me this sweet corn. And he looked at me and said, well, now you know where to get it and walked away. So now it's exciting to look at the farmers who are actually growing this corn and actually having it be that good. So seeing the produce and seeing not only that, but also seeing how the state itself has invested in the farmers, seeing it just grow that way is what's exciting. Mm -hmm. Kat, do you have a favorite corn variety? Well, I was going to ask because my dad, when we, he would grow it at home, he would grow Silver Queen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know that if that's like a, a variety that you would be into. I do, yeah. No, yeah. Silver Queen's excellent. Um, it was easy to grow. It's easy to grow. It's it's just a lower starch yeah. content. It is super he made sweet. He cream the, corn a lot. Yeah, the cream corn's yeah. great with it. Uh, Silver Queen, is just, the kernels are smaller. The mm-hmm. starches are a little lower. It is wonderful. It's the most. It's very popular. Um, I tend to go with bicolor. Mm-hmm. I like the higher, little higher starch content. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's for what I use it for. You know, I puree it. I do a, a giant ravioli. I call them in dentro. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they're they're literally the size of a bread and butter plate. 
and I put two of them on a plate. Uh, in dentro y fiorio is Italian for inside out, so I do a ravioli with that. Um, and the the starches having more starch in it tends to actually work better for a filling. Whereas the Silver Queens, they're they're fantastic. The flavor's great. I like to grill them. I like to cut them off and use them as a vegetable. Mm-hmm. But the puree of them ends up being a little softer. So I tend to go for more starchy. Oh, it sounds so delicious. And, of course, it's Vidalia onion season. I have yes. some in my house right now. You know I do. Uh, yes. Um, Savannah, what about you? Uh, any produce uh, you're excited about? I, I'm always excited to see what the farmers bring here because they always, uh, the smaller farmers pick different things. And they're like, hey, I tried it this year. Take this. And um, also, uh, being a French restaurant, I'm always excited for this time of year because eggplant's about to come in. And I have <gasps> tomatoes and zucchini. So that means ratatouille time. So I'm super excited about that. And then Holly, Vidalia onions. Yes. Anything else we should know about? Well, oh. let's talk about Vidalia. It's like, why are Vidalia so good? It's it's the soil in that yeah. region. And it's just, I mean, they you can literally take a bite out of one. They're so sweet. I might do that when I go home. Yeah. And, and this year's been excellent, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah, we've got a really good crop. Cat's got but, a wild evening ahead. I'm like... Frying some onions, yes. That's what I was about. Um, all right, well, we are close to being out of time, so is it time for trivia? I think it's time. All right, let's do it. Did okay. you guys know that we were going to make you play Whoa, trivia today? I did not know that. Surprise! That's Lael's fault. He didn't warn you. Um, all right, so it's going to be, you know, it'll be pretty easy. You have a lot of, you have a lot of people to play with, um, a lot of teammates, and in honor of... Atlanta really becoming, you know, the new Hollywood of the South. People are calling it Yollywood. Have you guys heard this? Yeah. Yollywood. Yeah. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of trivia about about that. <laughs> about the fact that Atlanta has taken over TV and film. All right. Question number one. Thanks to some tax... Oh, wait. That is the description. <laughs> we, we also should tell you this is uh, shouted out trivia. Yeah. They're all on the same Go team. for it. All right. In 2016, Georgia overtook which state as the top U.S. filming location? California. California. Correct. We started off easy. Yeah, we give you a gimme on the first okay. one. Okay. And by that's the, a big deal. That's exciting. Yeah, <laughs> super exciting. Oscar wrote the trivia, and he's very excited about the fact that Georgia overtook California as a, the top filming location. Congrats. Question number two. Um, which prolific cross-dressing comedian is often credited with setting the, off the flood of film and TV content coming out of Atlanta? Oh, the one who did Medea, right? Perry. Yeah, Tyler Perry. Correct. Um, and I think he's building like a massive studio or yeah, already has. I think he yeah. already has a massive yeah. studio. It's crazy. He also sold his plane to an evangelical preacher. I don't know if you guys saw the video. <laughs> We're not going to go there. We're going to move on. Uh, question number three. What was the name of the popular Atlanta-based cooking show that kick-started Alton Brown's TV career? Correct. Savannah's killing it. (laughs) Question number four. This is uh, multiple choice. Which? Wait. Uh oh. Yeah. It's multiple choice. (laughs) Which of the following Marvel movies were filmed in or around Atlanta, Georgia? Was it Avengers: Endgame, Ant-Man and the Wasp? Black Panther, Captain America Civil War, Spider-Man Homecoming, or Thor Ragnarok? Greg? I thought it was all, all of them. them. Correct! Oh, He's doing the, yeah, 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 keep going. All keep going, yep, it's yep, all. Yep. I like that now I have, like, a the judge. Like, I can be like, judges? And it's Oscar, because he wrote the questions. Well, 
On a side note, Holly, uh, our friend of ours, Tammy, is the executive chef for Robert Downey Jr. when he is in Atlanta. Whoa! And she also was the culinary director for Alton Brown. Oh, that's right, she was. We are so connected to the stars. How many degrees separation? It's like two. Hey, I, I met Robert Downey Jr. I got to go and help one day, and I got to, it was just me and him. And I was like, hello, I accidentally made him introduce himself. It was very awkward. No, you should have. He should be a human like everybody else. That's, that's actually what celebrities want. Yeah. Right. I'm so proud you know that much. We chef, you know, watch TV, so it's kind of. I know, you know, I'm very surprised everybody right? does that. Yes. All right, question number five, I think. Um, in the past decade, this is a multi part question. In the past decade, Georgia has been the main filming location for a lot of popular fantasy TV series. There's a vampire one, a werewolf one, a zombie one, and more recently, a popular sci-fi one focused on a group of young kids. Stranger Things. Yes. So that's the, that's the young kids. What was the were werewolf one? Werewolf. Television show? TV show? Teen. Yeah. Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf. That's it? Shut up. The vampire one. Vampire uh, Diaries. Vampire yes. Diaries. And the zombie one. The Walking Dead. Of course, of course, of course. All right. Last question. This is a bonus question. In 2015, I ran into one of the Wilson brothers at Pont City Market. But it was not Owen or Luke. Who is the third Wilson brother? That's a, that's a hard pass on me. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no clue. All right. Now, if you ask my wife, she'd probably know this one. Here are the options. He has made very small appearances in Zoolander and what was the other one? Charlie's Angels. Charlie's Angels. Is his name David, Jake, Andrew, or Mark? <laughs> I'm going to go with Jake. We got a Jake. Let's go Mark. I don't know. Got a Mark. <laughs> one for Jake, one for Mark. Andrew. Yeah. Holly's right. <laughs> it's Andrew. It's Andrew Wilson. The, the impressive thing is that Kat straight up recognized Andrew Wilson and was like, hey, that's Luke and Owen's brother. And I told my best friend, who's also named Holly, who lives in Atlanta, I was like, I think that's Andrew Wilson. And she was like, first of all, how would you know that? And then I showed her the picture on Google and she was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't think that's him. And then I go... Oh, well, well, there's Owen, so it must be. And they were, like, at Pond City Market together. Yeah, you, I actually, do you guys run into a lot of actors sometimes? There was one time I was at Hampton Hudson, someone tapped me on my shoulder, and I turned around, and it was the main blonde lady in Jurassic Park. Laura uh, Yes. Hannah's excited about that. <laughs> That's how you know it's truly become Yollywood. Well, kind of funny story. I had a reservation somebody put up for... Oh, God, now I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Miami Vice. Mind you of Ice? My, Miami Vice. Miami Vice. Vice. <laughs> Don Johnson. Don Johnson. Oh. So we got a reservation for Don Johnson, and we're all laughing about it. No, yeah. it was Don Johnson. I want to know, like, yeah, do you have any, like, ridiculous names that these reservations coming under? Oh, do you'd they be do surprised. aliases? <laughs> you'd be yeah. surprised. Oh, yeah, there's tons, there's tons of them. But Don, he actually came in twice and gave my mom a hug. Oh, wow. He's a fan. It was really him. It was so really Don him. Johnson was Don Johnson. It was Don Johnson. We were all laughing about it thinking it wasn't going to be him. My friend Holly used to work at uh, Alon's. Um, yep. I was actually the chef at Alon's. Oh, at you were? Point. Yes. And she had Andre 3000 come in all the time. Mm -hmm. Yep. He's a big fan of Alon's. Yes, he is. Um, okay, well, we could talk about Atlanta celebrities <laughs> for like probably another hour, and I'd be happy with it, but I think you guys have uh, places to be, people to see. So we're going to wrap things up. Um, thank you once again to Holly, Julio, Greg, and Savannah, um, our chefs from Atlanta and the surrounding areas. Um, 
Thank you to Georgia Grown. Um, and c- guys, good luck on your dinner. Thank you. Thank you. Very exciting. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for um, us. Congratulations to everybody who scored a ticket. Well yeah. done. Very smart. <laughs> Very smart indeed. Um, thank you to Jeet, our engineer. Thanks to Hannah and Katie. Thank you, Oscar, Kat. our friends from Mean Cow, Star, and Tucker. Uh, thanks to Lael for being here. Rock on. Um, I'm Kat Johnson. That's our show. See you next week. Bye, everybody. HRN Happy Hour is powered by Simplecast. Simplecast is a popular hosting and analytics platform that allows podcasters to easily host and publish to apps like Apple Podcasts. If you have a podcast or are looking to create your very first, check it out. Try it for free and save half off your first three months at simplecast.com slash heritage. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.